What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host here, Hayes. You can be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me today. And on today's episode, we're actually going to be with all the somewhat discontent in some form, some parts of Bulls Nation over the recent moves um, or lack thereof from the Chicago Bulls is really brought back and reintroduced the conversation of reevaluating some of the Bulls that AK and Eversley some of the Bulls, some of the moves AK and Eversley have made since then their time of taking over the Bulls. So we're actually going to look at every single deal that the that uh, Acme has done in their time running this team. We're going to reevaluate it. We're also going to be talking about and breaking down the season projections for predictions for Lonzo Ball in the upcoming season. We'll get into all that and more on today's Chicago Bulls. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. All right, Bulls fans. So, as I'm sure you guys know, if if you mess with multiple uh, Bulls content creators, if you are engaged in, in places like uh, Reddit, Twitter, wherever else, in conversations about the Chicago Bulls, you get one of a couple of different responses in regards to where this front office sits and they're currently moved. Some people are really, really disappointed that the Bulls were not more active in this offseason. That that started with the draft, you know, thinking that the 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 Bulls should have drafted a different player other than Dale and Terry, like many of us did. Um, and then with the lack of like transactions that went down or in spending that full mid-level exception. So it's really introducing a whole new conversation of kind of recontextualizing a lot of what uh AK and Eversley did. So we're gonna take a look at almost every deal that they've done so far. In their time here, we're gonna we're gonna now with keep in mind hindsight is 2020, so we do have the benefit of hindsight now to really take a look at how some of these deals worked out, and we're gonna really take a look at it, and then I'm gonna give my thoughts overall on this front office, which if you've been watching me for a while, you really kind of know already or listening to me, you kind of know already where I sit. But let's go in. One of the first big moves that this front office made, um, other than drafting people, and we'll draft picks, we'll get it towards the bottom of this, right? So we're gonna talk with the actual transactions first, was acquiring Nikola Vucevic. Uh, and uh, Al Farouk Aminu for Wendell Carter, Otto Porter Jr., two first round and two first round picks that did have lottery protections. Now, looking at this deal now, a lot of Bulls fans have now thought that yes, the Bulls actually lost a trade. That we, you know, even last season you heard that the Bulls should have kept Wendell Carter. You guys know very well where I sit with the Wendell Carter deal. Wendell Carter did have a statistically better season, but that came with more opportunities. He actually didn't play that much better. It just came with more opportunities. But as well, looking at Nikola Vucevic straight now, a lot of people, considering his defensive limitations, are now just looking at a defensive player, not really thinking about what he brings offensively as well. He did miss a lot of three-point shots as well. But with that being said, right? So looking at this deal, now the way that I look at this deal, was this a net win or loss for the Chicago Bulls? Now the way that I look at this, again, with hindsight, I think I have to look at it in everything that it came. Would would DeMar DeRozan had come here if Wendell Carter was still the starting center? That remains to be seen. The move for Nikola Vucevic was as much as getting rid of Wendell Carter, who the front office didn't see very much for, um, get, kind of getting rid of, not getting rid of, but trading him for an asset that was a more... Uh, surefire thing with Nikola Vucevic still being, as I talked about a couple of episodes ago, still in the top five to top ten of every statistical category for centers. And I look at that as like, no, uh, listen, this this was still a win for the Chicago Bulls. The one thing that I do look in hindsight and say I wish we wouldn't have given up is the two first round picks. You give up the younger player, um, Otto Porter Jr. We know, yes, he did go on to win the title, but it, that wasn't going to happen with the Chicago Bulls. But with that being said, um, 
the two first round picks is the biggest question mark in this for me. Now, what it, some you can look at that as just the price of doing business. But, you know, yes, I would have wished that the Chicago Bulls could have gotten this deal done with just one of the first round picks in that um, because you look the one of the first round picks turns into Franz Wagner. And then I forgot who they drafted with the other pick. Um, if they no, they didn't get that because we had our own first round pick this season. So it's next year's first round pick. So that remains to be seen. But the fact that they did protect a lottery wise means that in case that trade did not work out, um, that they they weren't going to give it up if it was lottery protected. Now, as well as looking at Nikola Vucevic's contract, and one of the ways that I've looked at this with hindsight as well is that they did get Nikola Vucevic, who at that time was an all-star, without giving up serious long-term money. Nikola Vucevic is a free agent at the end of this season. So they maintain some cap flexibility there as well, whereas Wendell Carter's up for an extension soon. So, you know, those are the type of things that I look at. At, at the end of the day with this deal, I do think, um, this deal still worked out better for the Bulls had we just kept on the Wendell Carter. But in my opinion, I know a lot of people don't share that opinion. The two first round picks given up in this deal does cause some concern. And it's why we don't have a lot of first round picks um, now and why we are draft capital for making other moves. And we lost some flexibility there. So, again, taking a look at that, honestly, that's where we sit with that deal. Next up, we signed Alex Caruso on what is a fairly reasonable deal for what he's able to bring in. And, you know. Alice Caruso has been advertised everything. He's just staying healthy with Alice Caruso. So I don't look at that. The fact that Alice Caruso came here, that he was what he was advertised to be, that's a net win for the Chicago Bulls. Now, let's look at this. We then ended up trading Al Farouk Amino, who we did get in the Nikola Vucevic deal, in, uh, for uh, DeMar DeRozan. Thad Young also went over in that deal, and we gave them a draft pick as well. Um, so that deal, absolutely, that's a net positive for the Chicago Bulls. DeMar DeRozan came in, had his best statistical season of his career. Um, when you look at everything. So, yes, when you get a player at that age who comes in and has been a mentor to Patrick Williams, been a mentor to Iowa DeSumo, hopefully mentors Dalen Terry as well, the net of that deal I think is worth everything that we gave up in it. I have no question marks in that deal at all. I like it. Now, next up, they the Bulls did re-sign Javante Green and sign Tony Bradley. Um, Here we go. So this is where the signing Javante Green and what Javante Green was able to give the Chicago Bulls next season to think that he was a throw-in when it came into that trade for Daniel Tice, who I did not mention that Daniel Tice deal as well, which was a big one. But um, signing, re-signing Javante Green for what they gave him, for what he gives, and what he's probably going to even give us better, being able to come off this bench, being able to play a more natural position, Javante Green makes that deal worth it. Now, the Tony Bradley signing, Tony Bradley, not big money, but I do question it. Well, the thing is, I see what they saw. If Tony Bradley had worked out, and if he still does, we'll see. He still has some potential. He's still going to be on this roster. If he had worked out, there was a lot of things that you could look at and say, hey, listen, if he can come in here, if he can develop some of these things, I can understand why they signed Tony Bradley, but it's still a net loss. Tony Bradley gave us a bit nothing. Uh, he sucks. He got picked up by another grown-ass man, but it is Steven Adams. But, you know, so yes, I look at that deal. That deal is questionable. Next up, we get Derrick Jones Jr. from Portland along with a draft pick um, uh, in a three-team deal that ended up sending out Laurie Marketing to the Cleveland Cavaliers all the way that that deal worked out. I look at that deal as a net win. The fact that we get another first-round pick back that looks like it's now going to convey with the way that Portland has improved that team. They're gearing up to try to make the playoff. They're doing the playoff push. They were probably going to get that first-round pick. Considering the first-round uh, considerations that we gave up for in that Nikola Vucevic deal, I look at that as a net win. Derek Jones Jr. at one point in time was doing very good for us, too, playing a backup center role that is completely outside of his natural position as well. So, you know, was Derrick Jones Jr. used his best of his abilities? That's one of the biggest questions that I have here. Not necessarily questioning ben, Billy Donovan as a coach, but I do question how they use certain players on here. But I look at that deal. The fact that 
everybody knew Laurie Marketing wasn't coming back. Or Laurie said he didn't want to come back. Or, but they were still able to turn that and work that into a sign and trade where they're able to get some pieces back. That's a net win. Now, the one thing that I do question in this deal, again, this is all to evaluate and to talk about everything honestly in hindsight. Larry Nance Jr. was a possibility. Reportedly, the Bulls did not want that because of the money, because of potentially going into the luxury tax. But when you look at what the Bulls were lacking last season, Larry Nance Jr. could have played that same role Derrick Jones Jr. did in a better role, giving us better production, and he's the better player. So I do have to throw in a question mark in that because of, listen, if they were willing to take on more money, we could have had Larry Nance Jr. in that deal instead of Derrick Jones Jr. And imagine how that would have changed the Chicago Bulls style of play in a backup big and having somebody to back up, back up once Patrick Williams did go down again. We got to evaluate this with hindsight because we do have that hindsight now. So that is the biggest question mark in that deal. Now, some of the, the people that the, the Bulls signed last season, signing Tyler Cook, Alizé Johnson, Stanley Johnson, Matt Thomas, and Ethan Thompson all last season. A lot of those players did not make the team. Alizé Johnson was gone before the end of the season. Stanley Johnson was gone as well. Tyler Cook came in, flashed some things, but is now gone as well. That is just kind of a net. It is what it is, right? That's what I look at it. It kind of is what it is. Um, None of those players were going to come in and do big things for the Chicago Bulls. They didn't give them any type of guarantee. Well, some of those players didn't even get guaranteed money. And the ones that did, it wasn't big money. So with that being said, kind of was what it was there. None of those players are on the Chicago Bulls currently right now. Now we get into this offseason. The Bulls did sign Andre Drummond. We re-signed Derrick Jones Jr. We re-signed Zach Levine. Um, so those deals, re-signing Zach Levine, I don't want to I don't want to understate it. I don't want to overstate it, right? The fact that the Bulls were able to re-sign Zach Levine on a max level contract, a player that wanted to be here, said he did not take meetings with other teams, says something. Says something for the way that the culture around the Chicago Bulls has changed. Now, the Andre Drummond signing, that's where you start getting into some of the discontent this season. There are other players, Isaiah Hardenstein, Mo Bamba, that signed for, for uh, similar money that the Bulls could have offered. And as we know and as come out, the Bulls did not want to do that A to hard cap themselves. And it seems like the ownership has given them the word to avoid the luxury tax as well. Now, we have to evaluate that. What does that mean for this front office? Again, the luxury tax thing, if that came down from ownership, I can't hold that against the front office. They are listening to their bosses, technically. I can't hold that against ownership big time. Um, the Andre Drummond signing. If the Bulls, considering the restraints placed on by ownership, if those restraints were placed on, Andre Drummond, we need to wait and see what he is like on this team, what he can give us. If he can give us that 10 and 8 off the bench, then listen, to me, that's a that's a plus signing no matter how how no matter what way you sign it or, or, or look at it. Re-signing Derrick Jones Jr., it definitely feels like such a cap-saving um money because you you re-sign him with bird rights rather than the mid-level exception, then it's like <sighs> it, it is questionable there. Signing Goran Dragic as well. Signing Goran Dragic, not much money there. The veteran minimum contract there. So it's really, it's hard for me to not, or to have discontent with a veteran, a minimum deal. Whether it's a minimum, whether it's a vet minimum, whatever it is. Minimum deals is hard for me to have discontent with because they're minimum. You can cut them at any time. It is what it is there. So that's what I think of of that. So looking at the transactions that the Bulls have made so far. There have been some good ones, been some bad ones. There's been some that are more questionable now with time. But the thing that I look at with this is that AK and Eversley, what they have done in a little over two years of completely retransforming this team, we can't, even with us hoping that they do, they did other moves, we can't necessarily overlook just how much they've transformed this team. Now, there is something to also be said, A, there were better players out there. You had better chances to improve this team. Their, their reluctance to trade Patrick Williams, as some people have, I still, I want to hold on to Patrick Williams. And let's, let's talk about the draft picks in this as well. So in that time, with the transactions we talked about, 
The Chicago Bulls front office has also drafted Patrick Williams, Marco Simonovich, Io DeSumo, and Daylon Terry. Now, Patrick Williams hurt all of last season, basically. Um, we're still going to continue to see him. We're still waiting on his development. Still a very, very young player. But we still are waiting for Patrick Williams to develop into what this front office saw him to be. Io DeSumo. Io DeSumo, to me, is the still of the draft. They definitely get a plus for that. Marco Simonovich, there's some question marks there because Marco's defense is terrible. Let's be clear here. We need to. We have yet to really see what Marco can do on the NBA level, but it's the biggest thing is that, yeah, he needed to put on some weight and some size, but his defense kept him from being able to be a productive member of the Chicago Bulls roster. On the main roster, he had to be forced to be in the G League. This season, we're going to have to see what he has now in the NBA rather than the G League for us to really evaluate that. what that is. Dalen Terry. Now, while there is so much, and this really was one of the first things in this offseason to kick off so much discontent with Chicago Bulls fans, is drafting Daylon Terry. Me, included, had my mind set on EJ Liddell. A lot of Bulls fans did. The fact that Tari Eason went to pick above, some Bulls fans think, well, the Bulls should have moved up. You got to have a, a partner to be able to move up. But, you know, Nikola Jovic, who I still would have probably picked, taken over Daylon Terry. Um, you know, there, so there's some discontent there. But what they did get in Daylon Terry is a player with that's raw, has a lot of potential, can play multiple positions with AK does like, and seems to have that mindset and that dog mentality that we do lack on this team, but he needs to be on the court to be able for us to benefit from that. So the Dalen Terry one, it's a wait-and-see approach with that on me. I do have, I'll put a part of a question mark on there, um, an asterisk. Let's say an asterisk. It's a wait-and-see thing. I do think that this there is an absolute world where this works out in Dalen Terry. We look back at this three years from now and say, hey, why did we want EJ Liddell again, right? But there could be a world in it where, as well as where we see Nikola Jovic turn into a hell of a player. And we're like, why didn't the Bulls pick Nikola Jovic? So because of that, it's a lot of question marks there. We remain to be seen. Marco is a question mark too. So the way that this, this front office drafts, I think the jury's still out on because they go so high upside that we don't really, we can't really tell what these draft picks are going to be or turn into right now. So it's hard to evaluate them drafting. Like, guard packs, we know they were terrible at drafting. They wasted, what, four or five years of lottery picks that aren't all on this team anymore because they just didn't know how the hell to draft, right? So AK and Eversley, their draft, it, it's 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 a wait-and-see approach on that, but let me know down below what you guys think about that. And they did sign Justin Lewis, who seems to be a really good player and ready to contribute. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, So the, the draft maneuvering is, is still questionable right now, but... So with that said, looking at what this front office has done, the way that they have transformed this team in the years that they have done so, it, it listen, you, you get a round of applause for, for coming in and making this team a legit playoff team. And I know some Bulls fans, well, we got bounced in the first round. Look at the amount of injuries and key players that we had out or that were just coming back. Um, but I will say this, this front office doesn't get a complete pass. There are some moves that were questionable. There are some lack of moves that are questionable as well. And like I said in the video before, the bet on continuity, the bet on development, uh, I would assume when Patrick Williams taking leaps in this season is going to be clearly evident if it works or does not work by how much the, bu the Bulls improve or don't improve in this upcoming season. But the front office, like, and I get the discontent with the front office. I get, like, I understand it to a degree. I don't agree with it, but I understand where a lot of Bulls fans sit with that right now. A lot of the things are wait and see approaches. A lot of things are seeing, hey, if this continuity thing does work, if Billy Donovan comes up with a better system and scheme for people, it works. And another deal that I didn't mention, and that is Alonzo, I didn't mention the Bulls signing Alonzo Ball. Now, a lot of people give the signing of Alonzo Ball because that was talked about before. It's kind of a, it was bound to happen at all, but they also do get. Now, Alonzo hasn't been able to stay healthy, and we'll talk about Alonzo here in a second, but that that's just 
So the way that I feel with the front office, I am way more happy with having this front office that, that was able to get us back in playoff contention, to get us back being relevant. Guess what? I think if Gar Pax were still in power, there's no way in hell Zach Levine would have re-signed here unless it was just for the money, and then we may have been seeing him be one of those players that will quest a trade one year into their extension. And, and so the things that happened so far... We need to wait and see. But the fact that AK and Eversley have improved this team. So keep in mind, they had almost nothing to work with. They had to work almost from ground zero. But the, as I said before, they can't keep kicking the can down the road. Eventually, this team is going to have to make that surefire move that is going to get us closer to championship contention. And we can only keep waiting on development for so long, right? But that two to three year window that people try to talk about is not a two to three year window. Zach Levine signed. We have longer than a two to three year window. We need to get off that. But it is time to really start looking at what this front office continues to do that informs what they've done before. But let me know down below, now that we've kind of talked about it in hindsight, how do you feel overall about the job of the front office since they've taken over? Now that we've talked about just about, well, this is a couple of deals that I missed, but just about every major deal that they've done since they've taken over this team. All right, we're transitioning. We're going to get into our season predictions for Lonzo Ball. And as you guys know, it's an easy one to give what the season predictions are for Lonzo Ball. But let's talk about his numbers from last season. He had 13 points per game, 5.4 rebounds per game, 5.1 assists per game, and a PER of 14.9. League average PER is 15, or am I confusing that with something else? I think it's 15, is the average PER. So he's a bit below that. Um, and then um, field goal percentage, a 42.3 field goal percentage and a 42.3 three-point percentage because he takes mostly threes. His defensive rating was 111.0. Uh, For his career, he's 109 uh, uh, defensive rating player. But we all know Lonzo Ball is an excellent defender. Nobody's going to question Lonzo Ball's defense because he's an excellent defender. Whatever that goddamn defensive rating was, sometimes you got to throw that shit to the side and look at it. The, the, the Predicting Lonzo Ball and giving what I want to see from him next season is a little bit harder at times because when he was on the court, he was everything that we about needed him to be. Now, I do think, as I've said before with Billy Donovan, Billy Donovan did not use Lonzo Ball to the best of his abilities. I don't think he fully unlocked Lonzo Ball except for that stretch that DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine were out, that we saw Lonzo Ball go on that 18-8-6 stretch. Um, but I think that Lonzo Ball needs to be allowed to create more. He needs to be allowed to generate offense more. There's making him just a three-point shooter, I don't like. He's, he's good at it. He's great at it, right? But I don't like it because I think you're wasting the potential of a player that can do so much more for you offensively and can be that coach on the floor for you actually running that offense. Now, I've said before, as long as DeMar DeRozan's on this team, I think this offense is going to run very similar. I would like to see a change, but I think – when Lonzo's ball is back healthy, when he's ready to go, I think he has to come in and the coaching staff has to be willing to unlock him a little bit more. Now, some of that goes to Lonzo Ball. A lot of people have questioned maybe the coaching staff does that because Lonzo has shown that he's not that he does not have the ability to run that half-court offense. I don't think that. I've seen Lonzo Ball play a lot. I think he absolutely has that ability. But with that being said, maybe there is some doubt there with the coaching staff. I don't know. I can't say I'm not in those meetings. I'm not in that huddle. Um, so what I want to see from Lonzo Ball going into next season, the averages are fine. I honestly think Lonzo Ball can get more towards 15 points per game, probably get closer to about seven or eight assists per game if he runs more of the offense, the half-court offense. And that five rebounds a game, I expect that to stay the same. I want to see his PER get more towards that 18 range of the player efficiency rating because I definitely think he can do that. I think he can be a way more... Um, efficient player than what we've seen from Lonzo Ball in many ways. Um, that's my personal opinion. Not everyone's going to agree with that either, but that's what I think Lonzo Ball can do. I want to see Lonzo Ball get into that 18 PER range no matter how many games he plays or does not play. Um, with that being said, those type of improvements are going to be great improvements, not only for the Chicago Bulls, but they're going to play big dividends. The minor improvements that can come from Lonzo Ball running more half-court offense 
comes down to like it, the, the dividends that could be paid from those minor changes could be huge for the team and huge for Lonzo's numbers as well. Defensively, we already know Lonzo Ball is the quarterback of the defense. He changes that defensive culture in the Chicago Bulls. Look at it. It's proven. Everybody's a better defender when Lonzo Ball is on the court. But with that being said, when we're talking about predictions for Lonzo Ball, that has to be the biggest thing. He has to be able to stay on the court. Now, injuries sometimes are freak things. You don't have control over it. You think he wants his body to heal slow? No. So I understand not necessarily holding that against the person in Lonzo Ball, but Lonzo has to stay healthy and be on the court because it makes the Bulls that much more of a dangerous and better team to have Lonzo Ball on the court. So we have to get Lonzo on the court for this team to be more efficient, for this team to be more effective, everything. It, it, I'm, I'm not one of those Lonzo, the Ball family stands that say, Lonzo's the key to everything. No, I'm not saying that. But he does unlock a lot more things for this team and makes this team a better team overall when he's on the court. And I would assume was a great player. I would assume I love I would assume was going to be a a player on this team for a very, very long time. Hopefully, unless something crazy happens. But he's still not ready to contribute the defensively, especially like Lonzo Ball is. Lonzo, I mean, Io's projections is probably going to get there. But the versatility that Lonzo brings, being able to switch one through four. Um, being able to to guard so many varying positions, to be the communicator on defense, things like that, the way that he gets the Bulls out in transition. All those things are huge for the Chicago Bulls, and we saw the Bulls play their best basketball when Lonzo Ball was doing those things. Lonzo had a great season for the Chicago Bulls. It just wasn't many games. He had the, a career-high field goal percentage, a career-high three-point percentage, a career-high in number of steals per game, a career-high in free throw, no, second highest in his uh, free throw percentage in his career. But we have to see Lonzo Ball be able to stay on the court for us to take advantage of the thing. Second P highest PER of his career as well. Highest was his last season in New Orleans at 15.23. But with these improvements, with these minor improvements from Lonzo Ball, it can pay hugely off for the Chicago Bulls. But the health has to be there. We have to get him on the court first. So that's my prediction for Lonzo Ball as far as the numbers, what I want to see him work on, what I want to see this coaching staff use him better on. But it all comes down to health for Lonzo Ball. He has to be able to stay healthy. But that's it for me for today. Thank you for joining uh, us here on Chicago Bulls Central. If you want to follow me personally, you can do so at CEO Hayes, at C-E-O-H-A-I-Z-E. If you want to follow the podcast overall, you can do so at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform that we're on. If you want to send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, you can do so at BullsCentralPod at gmail.com. And lastly, if you want to leave us a text and our voicemail, for our mailback episodes, which air Saturday, the number to do so is 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related because of you, not me, guys. It's because of you guys. Like I liked in every episode on Go Bulls. Love you guys. Peace, y'all. This has been a presentation of The Break, Break, Break Media. Media.